So today is the final message in uh, our series of Wisdom to Live By. It's how we commonsensically and every day apply the rules that God gave us, the Ten Commandments. These aren't rules that uh, God is kind of hiding around the corner, and he's given us this list, and the minute that we infringe or violate uh, one or more, uh, he's just going to jump on us. That's not the whole point. And furthermore, the point of these rules is not that if we uh, 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 keep them flawlessly, that then we can have a relationship with God. No, if you know Jesus, you already have a relationship with God. And what God is saying is now that we have a relationship, here's how you live a life that pleases me and blesses you as you you and I live with one another. That's the whole point. So uh, doing our best to apply these rules, that's the way uh, that I I brought them out and have tried to deliver them to you so that there, there are ways that you and I can measure how we live this out every single day not keeping score with one another, but saying, God, I'm doing my best and I'm trying to do these kinds of things. Um, uh, Jesus lived these laws out and he followed them and we follow him. It's really just that, that simple. Now I want to, uh, by way of review and just kind of simplifying them, I want you to understand some of you are more than familiar uh, with this, uh, this context, but when you take a look at it, the first four The first four commandments are about our relationship with God, okay? Uh, When we say that there are no other gods, number one, that means we put God first in our lives. And when we say there are no idols, we're saying that we pledge not only that uh, God's going to be first in our life, but we're going to live a life that demonstrates the pledge to the first commandment, that there are no other gods. And then when we say that we're not going to misuse the name of God, it's not just uh, uh, the name, uh, the words that describe his name or uh, directly connect to his name. It's every word that we have. Because if we're walking around being uh, newly named for him, then every word that comes out of our mouth is a reflection of the relationship that we have with him. And so it's every word that we say, the significance of words. That's what we talked about. Then when it came to the, remember uh, the Sabbath, it was the significance of rest. And uh, the fact that we don't have to work seven days a week because God takes care of us. He provides all the things that, that we need. He really, really does. And so we can be content, uh, kind of borrowing into what we're going to talk about today. We can be content with all of that. And just, uh, and rest. We can take some time off. We can relax uh, one day and trust him to take care of us. Those are the first four. Then the next six deal with the relationship that we have with one another. So if we honor God with the first uh, four commandments, then we honor one another with the next six, uh, namely number five, honoring mom and dad. Mom and dad honor God, and so we honor them. That's the perspective there. Then it comes to, uh, we're not just simply going to not murder one another. We're not going to be angry with one another. That's where Jesus raised the bar there. We're not going to harm one another. Then we're not going to, we're going to honor marriage. Don't commit adultery. We're going to uh, uh, not steal from one another. We're going to be focused on the things that we have rather than be uh, uh, worrying about what we don't have and then getting angry about it and and, and that perspective. We're also going to be honest with God and uh, uh, with each other, uh, with everything, uh, every dealing that we have in life. And so those are the the first nine. And then comes where we are today. uh, Do not covet. Uh, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17 uh, says this, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, 
You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to uh, your neighbor. The Good News translation makes it a little bit more plain. Uh, It says this, do not desire another man's house. Do not desire his wife, his servants, his cattle, his donkeys, or anything else that he owns. The word covet is not necessarily one that kind of pops out uh, into our mind or even out of our lips uh, kind of thing. It, it basically means to really, really want something, to yearn, the dictionary says, to yearn, to have, or possess. In layman's terms, it means that you and I shouldn't want something that God hasn't given us. All right? Sometimes that's hard. All right? But that's basically what it means to, to want something uh, so much that you're willing to damage your relationship with God or your relationship with someone else just to get that thing or those things. That's what it means, and that's why God warns us to not do those things, to not act like that. Now, desiring something isn't necessarily bad in and of itself. All right. Uh, There are times when you and I desire better health, and so we walk more, we exercise more, we eat differently, and uh, generally speaking, we get better. We desire maybe a larger home so that we can have uh, more fellowship with our family or our friends, and so we work harder or we spend more wisely, so to speak, and so we do those kinds of things. Desire like that is not necessarily wrong. When, however, we desire something to the point that we ruin our relationship with our family, with our friends, and with God, and it corrupts just about everything, the word obsess comes in uh, to perspective there. That uh, the things that we want have a greater importance in our life than the people that we know or the God that we love. That's where the rub comes. And the challenge is really, really hard because when we violate uh, that 10th commandment, it impacts every aspect of the relationships that we have. It really, really does. Just like all the other nine. And it's hard. It is. It is really hard. We're going to walk out the door here in a couple of hours, and uh, we're going to have some fun trying to live out all the stuff that I've been talking about, knowing full well that we're not going to do it perfectly. And when we know that about ourselves, there's a discouragement, which is why we get together during the week to encourage one another again, and we come back again a week from today to remind ourselves that God's not necessarily asking you and I to be perfect as much as he is asking you and I to be faithful in that. That's the point. And it's hard. We hear things and we know they're right. We listen to what God says and we know it's good. But when we walk out that door and we try to put it into practice, we try to make it an aspect of every step that we take and every word that we say, it really is challenging. And Jesus told a story that helped you and I to understand uh, where we all are. Maybe you're familiar with the the parable that Jesus talked about soils. And he talks about seed that falls on the ground. And the seed, in the story that Jesus tells, the seed that Jesus talks about is really the word of God that you and I hear, that you and I read, that you and I think about. And And he talks about the fact that our hearts are like the soils that he tells in this story. And sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. 
He says that one of the soils that's there is kind of like uh, walking on a pathway and the soil, uh, uh, the seed falls on the soil, God's word. And uh, before it's even begun to just sit there for a little about Satan comes by. And that basically means that uh, the things that you and I hear don't last past Sunday afternoon. Because we're just completely, Satan comes along and he just says, that was stupid. That was horrible. You can't do that. You couldn't do it last week. You're not going to do it this week. That's what happens. The word of God doesn't last past Sunday afternoon. That's the pathway soil. And then the the second one that he talks about is rocky soil. It's seed that uh, uh, falls. We hear the word of God. And we're really, really happy. Uh, you're, amen and good job and everything's great. And you walk out the door, but then we're discouraged and overwhelmed. And joy turns to frustration and frustration turns to bitterness. It may not be Sunday afternoon. It may not even be Wednesday afternoon. But before the end of the week, the joy fades. And there's no real chance for God to take root like he wants to. Then uh, comes the soil uh, that is a thorny, all right? The seed falls there and, and it's choked. And, and, and Jesus says this in Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Still others, uh, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires, there's that word again, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. We know what God says is good. We know the things that God says to us are right. But sometimes we we inappropriately, or it may be better stated, ineffectively measure what God says with the life that we're living. We measure what God says with the things that we have and the way that uh, uh, the cookie crumbles, so to speak. And we say that it just doesn't work. And before you know it, what God says doesn't get half a chance and the roots don't go down and they don't hold on. And the seed of the word of God in my heart and in my mind dries up and fades. And it just becomes really, really hard for us to live a life that not only uh, we can, ple- the life that pleases God, but that we enjoy with one another. Things that make us happy. Dare I even say, the things that make us content with anything that we have, with anywhere that we are, and with whatever is going on. This really is the significance of being content. So I want to take what Jesus uh, uh, gave us in that parable of the four soils, and I want to kind of uh, distill it down to some really simple understandings about what it means for you and I to be content and how we are and are not, how we are content with our life or not content with our life, how we're content with God and or not content with God. 
And really, when it's all said and done, the significance of being content, I'm going to submit to you this morning, really distills down to whether or not you and I are happy with God. Because if we are, then sometimes, whether it's chicken, like my father-in-law used to say, I'm happy if it's chicken, I'm happy if it's feathers. All right? That contentment really rests on where each of us individually, each day, stand with God. So first, I want to submit to you that when we're not content, when we're not content, we use God for things. When you and I are not happy with life, when you and I are discouraged about what we do or do not have, we tend to talk to God about why we don't have this. And and we measure the quality of our life uh, on the ability of God to give us what we want or the ability of us to ignore God and get what we want. And no matter what, we're not content with that at all. When we're not content, we use God for things or use God to get things. And at best, that is a formula for disappointment. At worst, it's a formula for bitterness. Life and God, whether we're happy with life or happy with God or not happy with life. So the first option is that we are not happy with life and we are not happy with God. That's the, that's the first option, all right? Not happy with life or not happy with God. That's the seed that lands on the pathway soil, okay? God, I don't feel well. God, I'm not getting along with anybody. God, I've lost my job. I've lost my car, and I walked in the house the other day, and the dog bit me, okay? You know it's bad when the dog doesn't like you, okay? Because the dog likes anybody, all right? I'm exaggerating, but you get the point not happy with life, and I'm not happy with God. If God liked me, this is the mindset that we use. If God liked me, I would have the things that I need and the things that I want. But obviously, because I don't have the things that I want or the things that I need, God just must not like me. So I don't like him. He doesn't like me. I don't like life, and life doesn't like me. It sounds like a bad song out of the Fiddler on the Roof, all right? Really, that's, that's the kicker. That's the pathway soil. I'm not happy with life, and I'm not happy with God. Then comes uh, the next perspective. I'm happy with life, but I'm not happy with God. This is the rocky soil. The, uh, I get the job that I want, and the job is great on Monday, but next Monday I find out that I have to work on the weekends. I get the car that I want, and I drive it for a month, but then I find out that uh, I need to replace the transmission. All right? And again, I like the car, but God, if you really like me, you'd take care of that transmission. Or you'd not let me uh, purchase it in the first place. You see? Things are going my way, but when it's all said and done, I can't rely on God. I have to do it all myself. If it's going to be, it's up to me. Have you ever heard that silliness? If it's going to be, it's up to me. I tried talking to God. I tried asking him about it, but every time I talk to him, I either don't get an answer or the answer that I get is not the answer that I want. 
In our group on Tuesday night, we've been going through the book of James, and we read this recently from James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? There's that word again, desires that battle within you. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. Or as we've learned about that commandment, it's not just simply killing. I'm just going to be angry. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. I asked him. I asked him. You told me to ask God for what I need? And then James gets that too. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I'm happy with life, but I'm not happy with God because God, the things that I want really ought to be all about me. Now, in the beginning, that sounds really, really good. But you and I know people who make it all about themselves. And after we figure that out, we tend to not hang around. And you and I also know people who tend to make everything about everyone else. And they are selfless. And while sometimes going overboard, that can be harmful to them. Generally, we we tend to really appreciate those people because we know deep down in their heart, they always put others before themselves. We say, I really wish I could be like that, which is exactly the contrary, the, the, uh, in opposition to uh, what James just said. You don't have because you ask with the wrong motives. You're asking God to be nothing more than that, what I said before, that genie in, in the lamp. God, come on, you said, where is it? And so we end up sometimes being happy with life, but not... Uh, Happy with life, but not happy with God. That's the rocky soil. Then thirdly comes not happy with life, but we're happy with God. This is the thorny soil. I like what uh, the proverb writer has to say. Proverbs chapter 17, it says, Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Because... What the author is not saying is I'd rather be alone with dry bread. What he's saying is being alone with dry bread is better than being in a house with a great meal where everybody's arguing. Do you know why that's the case? Think about it. How many have ever been to a Thanksgiving or a Christmas or an Easter meal that you really would wish you would not have been to? Because it turned out to be a bad kind of a family thing. I'm not talking about how good the ham was. I'm talking about that Sunday afternoon, that Thursday afternoon, that whatever day it was when the meal was completely forgotten because nobody remembers what was on the table. Everybody remembers what happened. That's what I'm talking about. That's what he's saying. And see, it's not just the first four commandments where people, someone might say, you know, I can really get along with God. The problem is I just can't get along with anybody else. That's not the way that it works. It's all of them. I, I get along with God and I'm so grateful for what God has done for me that I'm really patient with everybody else because a couple of years ago, I'm just like the guy on the other side of the table who's just really, really angry and can't stop talking. That was me. Not too long ago. And so, because God was patient with me when I was like that, I'm going to be patient with that person right now. That's applying the commandments right 
away. That's the perspective there. When it's all said and done, the challenge for you and I to live out these commandments and to be content in any and every circumstance is really a challenge. It really is. Especially when you and I live in a nation that has as much as we have. And you and I, we don't have to travel too far outside this country, or a matter of fact, inside this country, to see how blessed we really are. And how easy it really is to be content with all that we have. The biggest problem that you and I have sometimes is balancing it all. What do I mean by balance? Living a life that pleases God so that God is content with us. And yet still getting everything out of this life that, possibly, that we can possibly get. Everything that's offered. Because we tend to believe that if we live a life that pleases God, then we're going to miss out on a whole bunch of stuff. And if we tend to go for all the stuff, we're going to not make God happy. And so we're caught in this no-win situation, which I want you to understand is an absolute lie from hell itself. Because God doesn't work that way. And you and I don't have to be around too long before we realize sometimes the things that we wanted, not only did we not really need, they weren't really good for us. And we find out that God was trying to tell this, tell this to you and me all the time. And when we finally learn the lesson, we say, man, I'm glad I finally learned that. If not, I wish I would have learned it sooner. I love uh, uh, this quote I've got from um, uh, Mark Batterson. He's a well-known contemporary Christian writer. I've got it up on the screen. I want you to listen to this. And I may even quote this uh, this coming week because it's powerful. He says, the gospel costs nothing. Absolutely nothing. God paid everything. That's why we want to find and follow Jesus. Because the gospel really is free. It is the absolute all-time best deal that has ever been given to you and me. The gospel costs nothing. We cannot buy it or earn it. It can only be received as a free gift, compliments of God's grace. So it costs nothing. But it demands everything. And that's where most of us get stuck. Spiritual no-man's land. We're too, listen to this, we're too Christian to enjoy sin and too sinful to enjoy Christ. We've got just enough Jesus to be informed, but not enough to be transformed. We want everything God has to offer without giving anything up. We want to buy in without selling out. We're afraid if we don't hold on to God, we'll miss out on what this life has to offer. It's a lie. It's the same lie the serpent told Adam and Eve in the garden. God is holding out on you. Once you and I become convinced of the fact that God is not holding out on us, he's waiting for us to give all of us to all of him so that he can really give all of him to every part of us. That's the point. Listen to me. Some of you have crossed over. You get it. It took a while for you to get it, but once you got it, oh my goodness, were your eyes open. The light, that uh, the scripture that Anthony read earlier, the light came in the darkness and the darkness has no possible way to overcome it. You, we get it now. 
But then there are some of you who are struggling. You're saying, yeah, God, I, I want to do what you want, but I'm afraid if I do what you want, I'm not going to get what, I, what I, I really, really want. And what we come to find out is what we really, really want isn't necessarily what we need. And when we get what God always had intended for us, it's better than anything we ever wanted. And when that happens... We finally, because all of our life, at times we've been the rocky soil, we've been the pathway soil, we've been the thorny soil, then we go back to the rocky soil, and we go back to the pathway soil, and, and then finally, when we cross over and we finally get it, and we're not going to struggle anymore, we've tried this and we've tried that, we've failed miserably, and we've wounded ourselves, we've sometimes wounded others, we don't want to live like that anymore, and now we want what God really wants for us, and we don't care anymore, God, just take care of me, I don't care if I don't have this or I don't have that, I want you, and when When that happens, we have a happy life and we're happy with God. That's how it looks. It's difficult to go through that struggle. And sometimes we come over and then we go back and then we come over and we go back. But once we get there, we realize and and we're just so thankful for everything that we have. And we're grateful for the opportunity to to tell other people what God has done in our lives because we don't want them to have to go through what we went through to get there. Because when it's all said and done, we're content when we are content. We use things for God. God, the time that I have left, I'm going to give to you. The home that I have, I'll, I'll open it up for a life group. The car that I have, I'll help somebody get to group or get to church. The time that I have, the home that I have, the things that I have, God, you gave them to me anyway, and when I leave this world, I'm not going to take one aspect of it with me. So because you gave it to me, I'm going to use it for you. And that helps you and I to understand the significance of, of being content. I love what Craig Greshel said when dealing with this struggle. What we tend to say is, God, this is what I need. But God responds, actually, I'm what you need. That's it. When it's all boiled down, it's all God all the time. And when we have it that way, we find out that we get not only the things that we want, but more than we wanted and more than we need. And we find out that with the excess that we have, we're just saying, here, here, you want it? Here, take it. Here, here. You know, this is what was going on at the, at the backpack giveaway. Um, we had uh, folks that didn't even realize that there was something going on until they walked by the, the South Commons in Mansfield and they just said, hey, what's going on? Let me check it out. And I, we had couples walk up and I say, we, would, we would say, hey, you want a backpack for your kids? Really? Yeah, here. And if you think that's good, wait till someone really uh, happens to know that you know God and even though they think they know God, they know that you know God better. How is it? I don't know. They just measure that way. But they say, hey, can you pray for me? Will you pray with me? Can you help me get closer to God? I've got all the time you need. Don't you have to go to work? Yeah, but God gave me the job, and so he'll take care of my boss. And that's not an exaggeration. 
James says this. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Let me amplify that. Who does not change like the things that you and I change in. We used to like this, but we no longer do. Now we like that. We used to be a fan of this team, but now we're a fan of that team. And we used to be a fan of this player, but now we don't like him because he changed teams and he went over to there, so we don't like him anymore, but we like the guy that changed from the other team to our team. You know, like shifting shadows. God doesn't change. He's not fickle like you and me. He's a constant. And he knew knew what was best for us before we were born. He knows what's best for our kids before they come along and our grandkids before they come along and so on and so on. And when we finally get there and we humbly acknowledge that God isn't just good, he's always good all the time. And when we realize that, we're saying, God, here, take me. Take me. Because I'm not necessarily worried anymore about what rules you have and you haven't given to us. I just want to do the best that I can to be faithful in following them. Because the life that you have in store for me, God, is a whole lot better than any dream I could ever come up with. And that's why we say all the time, we want to help people find and follow Jesus because Jesus gives people the best life that they could never dream of. Each Sunday when we gather together, we take communion. The communion, that, the trays that we pass out have a small piece of bread that represents the body of Jesus that was nailed to the cross and a small cup of juice that represents the blood that was shed while he hung on the cross. The hope that we have, the joy that we have, the peace that we have, it all comes from that moment. The life that we really want that comes from God is possible because of what God did for us through Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, can I just tell you a little bit about him? He loves you. He loves you. He's the best friend you can ever have. The wisest man you can ever speak with. The truest counselor you will ever seek out. You and I talk about, we say to our friends, if you ever need anything, just call me. And sometimes when the phone rings, we're not there. We can't help it. But when we call on the name of Jesus, he never fails. And because we know that to be true, we do this. We remember what he's done. We remember how he loves us and how he cares for us and how he loves us when we're good and a whole lot more often when we're not. And he still loves us and he still welcomes us back and he still takes care of us and he still provides for us. And so we can be content, really content, whether it's chicken or it's feathers. And so as you and I partake of this today, as you and I remember what Jesus did for us, be content in the love of God.
Be thankful for the love of God. Be thankful for what Jesus has done. Because when it's all said and done, he's all that matters. I'm going to pray, and then the guys are going to uh, pass these emblems around. Let's do that just now. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. It's through his sacrifice that we have life. It's through his love that we have joy. It's through his mission that we have purpose. And so as we remember what he did for us, we're reminded of how good the life is that you give to us. How fulfilling the joy is that you give to us. And how enduring the mission is that you give to us. God, thank you so much. Because there are times when we pray and we really don't realize what we're praying for. And then we think sometimes how silly and immature we are only to grow into the prayer that means something. The selfless, heart-given prayer. And that's where we are, God. You give us so much. You give us more than we deserve. You bless us so much. We're not worthy of any of it. So God, because you are more than enough for us, we want to give you everything that is who we are. Our life, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for blessing us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.